on today's show. Something that I notice is a lot of people hope and want to go overseas, but what their life looks like as far as sharing the gospel at home is it rarely happens or maybe they've shared once or something like that. But those patterns don't switch the minute you get overseas. And so to a degree, if you're not actively sharing the gospel at home or looking for opportunities or just having those people that you're praying for consistently, like, please, Lord, give me this opportunity to share my faith with this person. That habit is not going to naturally transform the minute you get overseas. Um, So having those in place pre-departure is huge. Stay tuned. Greetings and welcome to the Missions Podcast, the show that explores your hard questions on missions, theology, and practice to help goers think and thinkers go. I'm Alex Kochman, Director of Communications and Media with ABWE, joined again, as always, this occasion by Scott Dunford, pastor of Western Hills Church in San Mateo, California, here with a guest who we would both call friend and who is also very close with another recurring guest on the show who will introduce our special guest here in just a few moments, but excited to dive today into some areas of practical wisdom, Scott. Uh, There's so much here to talk about, uh, about preparedness for the field, about family and household and children and and all of that and the intersection of that with missions. And so before we dive into that, though, uh, we want to just address our listeners uh, real quick, especially if you listened to last week's episode, our discussion of the current situation happening in Israel and throughout the Gaza region as well. And for those of you who heard that conversation, you're burdened to learn more. You've been praying regularly for Christians and non-believers that are caught up in that war and that tragedy that's happening in the Middle East. Or maybe this is your first episode of the Missions Podcast that you've listened to, but you've been watching the news. We did want to share with you an important opportunity. ABWE is working with partners and local churches on the ground not only to work on ways of providing compassion and mercy ministry and relief to those that are in need, and so many are displaced, but also sharing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what's needed in this whole situation for people to know Jesus, the true Messiah in this situation. If you want to partner with that Middle East Compassion Fund and make an impact, both in terms of relief and evangelism, you can do that on our website. We'll put a link in the show notes here. And so whether you're watching on YouTube or if you're listening in your favorite podcast app, once you're done subscribing, smashing the bell to make sure that you get notifications or following if you're on Apple Podcasts, once you're done doing all of those things, follow the link that's in the notes to get to the Middle East Compassion Fund. The Lord would burden you or your church or your small group, your team in that direction. We would love to connect you with people Uh, that you can partner with who are making an impact on the ground. And so with that out of the way, Scott, uh, why don't you introduce our guest? You know, I'm excited. This is this is sort of a reunion of sorts. Scott, you and I used to travel more and and we used to have to crash at random people's houses along the way when we were on the road doing the mobilization thing. So we're we're glad to welcome Emily Bennett to our show. But not so not only is Emily, you know, equipped in her own with, you know, degrees from Southeastern Seminary and lots of years of experience in the field. But the thing I probably like the most about Emily uh, is the fact that she is a fellow cheesehead. And so, uh, Emily, I don't know if you knew that I'm from Wisconsin, but I know you're from Wisconsin. And so, you know, you can hear it when we say Wisconsin, Wisconsin. you know, uh, uh, we talk about the Packers, although she's so close to Illinois. I don't know. Are you, are you a Packer fan, Emily? Are you bears? 
I mean, I am, but Matt's a Bears fan. Matt's a Bears yeah. fan. I would prefer yeah. the Packers. So it's just, it's a conflict, really. You live so close to the border that I know that's a struggle. So I'm glad your marriage is surviving. So anyway, we I've, I've loved and enjoyed hospitality in, in Matt and Emily's home. And just, I'm so thankful for them. I feel like I'm a much better friend of them than the time, the, the amount of minutes we've spent together should allow for. Uh, but, but Emily, <laughs> but Emily, we're so glad to welcome you to our show. Not only do you have the degrees and experience, but also you've been putting some work together and have a new book that you've edited that's just come out uh, called Before You Go. And we want to talk a little bit about some of those concepts. Um, but in addition to all that, you're you're a wife, uh, you're a mother of three amazing children and uh, working with, with students both on the campus, but also uh, stu- people in America learning English. And so maybe at the end, you can talk a little bit more about that. But Emily, welcome. Welcome to our show. We're glad to have you on here. Oh, thank you, Alex and Scott. So the thing I like about, I love about your book, obviously you've got, you know, 10 women all chiming in on the important topics related to, to getting ready to go to the field and life on the field. Uh, I love the fact that if our listeners were to read through the names of the contributors, many of them are people that, that they're very, very familiar with either through uh, interviews on this show or, or through the, the people we're connected with. Um, but they talk about you know, a lot of experiences, things like marriage, singleness, motherhood, team dynamics, so many things that can only, but, but so many of those things can only be learned through experience. So my question is, why are you burdened about equipping women before they go? What do you want this book to accomplish in that regard? My one of the fellow authors of the book um, and I used to while we've like lived together here on the um, in Cedarville, we would always get questions from students just about books that had been been written by women for women going to the field. And we would always kind of look at each other and be like, surely this exists. Like it has to be somewhere. Mm. And we would spend time Googling and just trying to figure out, okay, who has written a book like this that can prepare people um, to some degree for some of the experiences they're going to face. And we just didn't come up with anything. Honestly, we would get a lot of books on religion or topical things that have to do with like sharing their faith. But as far as like character and just um, spiritual preparedness Mm. before they left, it was just something that we could not find. Mm. And so honestly, truth be told, one day I was like, I'll just pitch this idea and see, like not really expecting anyone would ever say yes. And then um, I was just so pleased to find out like Lifeway in particular was super um, invested in wanting to prepare women for what they're going to face when they hit the field. And so really, it just was kind of born out of conversations that I would have. um, The author's name is Amy um, with Amy about, okay, how is there some kind of framework that we can give as we're discussing what people need to know Mm -hmm. before they before they go overseas? And so that's really Mm -hmm. what it came out of. It's beautiful. And did I see from uh, from Amazon that there's a companion volume for men? There is. And so anyway, I like to joke with my husband that really he's riding my coattails on this because uh, because then they were offered a, a contract for a book that would kind of prepare Matt or not prepare Matt, but prepare men before they get before they left. That, that explains Matt's success. He's been riding your coattails all along. That's the way. Are you really ghostwriting this, though? Are you the ghostwriter for the ones for men and Matt's just taking the credit? We want to know that right now. OK, we just just be silent about it. OK, I mean, you can assume <laughs> okay. what you want. We'll tell nobody. No one share that with anybody. Just go out and buy both books. You heard yes, it Yes, thank here. you. Thank you. This conversation didn't happen, and it's not mm-hmm. being recorded either. <laughs> not at all. So let's abruptly shift gears. Uh, Emily, you guys served in North Africa, and I'm curious. You've obviously done a lot of difficult things in ministry um, in really challenging places. 
Uh, and of course, you're serving the Lord here in the States now. But with a lot of that overseas experience in the rearview mirror, what would you tell the pre-field missionary version of Matt and Emily if you could go back in time? Yeah, I would tell us a lot. Um, but I think there's a handful of things that I I think we kind of stumbled into doing that I'm so thankful for. They were not well thought through, but just sort of I feel like the Lord put them in in front of us. And I think one of them is we both, both of us, not just Matt, but both of us invested a lot of time into theological uh, education. And I think to a degree, and I think there was a whole era of people that were sent and really like the premise before sending them was like, okay, they like have a pulse and they can share their gospel. And so, and they're willing to go. So we'll, we'll send them and like the church's blessing will be on them. However, when we would, when we saw people come to Christ, we realized, okay, it's, it's not just converting people, but it's really knowing the scriptures well enough to disciple people and being able to do that, number one, in English, and then number two, being able to mm. like speak the language of the people uh, mm. to to do that. So anyway, I think just having um, time in seminary and time just studying scripture and trying to know it well enough that I like could do that with someone was something I was so thankful we did before we left. I know not everyone can, but I was really thankful for the experience to be able to do that. Something else that, again, I don't know if this was well thought through, but I'm really thankful we did previous or prior to going was we went to an Islamic area and I ended up just reading as much as I could on Islam before I left. I think I was just interested in it. However, once we arrived, I was so thankful I'd done the pre-work because when I was within the culture and talking to Muslims all day long, um, the last thing I wanted to do was to go back to my house and be like, well, let's end the day, you know, reading about the Quran or re reading mm -hmm. about like this, this faith that I was in all day and just kind of carrying the weight of it all day long. Mm -hmm. And so I was so thankful that we had spent the time doing it before we left, um, just because I don't think I would have had the emotional capacity to keep doing it while I was there. I mean, there were some elements that, of course, we had to brush up on, but I was thankful we did that. And then I think another, probably the third thing outside of, again, just like normal daily habits of walking with the Lord, we had a church. We were sent from a church that was really invested in sending people well. And so I think just getting involved in the church uh, in whatever way they had needs and having people within the church know us was something I was so thankful that we did because when we were sent, our church really knew what we needed. And where it was a, when we communicated with them, they knew us well enough as people to um, to anticipate, OK, when you know, when Emily says this, she she might mean this. So we really need to meet, mm -hmm. you know, be there for her because she's struggling mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I think just being known by our church, our sending church in particular, and then a lot of our other supporting churches uh, was something, I guess, just time well invested. And I'm so thankful that we did. That's great advice. Any Anything that you wish you had done that you didn't do? I think something that is always helpful, but I think to a degree, like, I wish that I guess I would have known and memorized more scripture before I left. Mm. And the reason being is so much of our ministry, when I was sitting down with women, women and talking through things, they would say something to me and I would be like, okay, actually, I know I could respond and tell this story or this parable or, um, oh, this is how this connects. But like, mm. I'm searching my brain. Okay. I mm. don't have like... It's it's strange for me to take a physical Bible out in the context in which we lived. 
And so like, hey, if I could just rattle off like, oh, this is what like this story Mm -hmm. is, it is always so useful. And so I think if I were to go back, I probably would ask the people on the ground, okay, are there five stories or five um, specific things that you end up telling this story all the time? Like in the context where we lived, we ended up sharing about the fall, like creation and the fall all the time. Just because mm-hmm. within Islam, that story is totally different. And so they might mm-hmm. think, okay, we have the same story, but just to establish like, no, this is actually what happened. And this is what the scripture says happened and be able to do that mm. well, just was so important. And so obviously we got really good at that one, but it was just time, things that I think scripture memorization was something that I wish I would have invested more time in before I left. That's good. Obviously, I'm not one of the 10 women in this book, but um, one of the things I think of is like everyone really? told us before what? we go. <laughs> yeah, it's a shocker to misunderstandings for our audience. This is good. We're learning about Scott today. He's a cheesehead <laughs> and that fact, too. Well, yes. you know, I might, I, I might have been one of the, you know, pseudonyms. I, you know, but we're just going to clear that out of the way. It's, that's not what happened. I writing these down. I'm going to forget. <laughs> yeah, we're in a rare mood today, Alex. At least I am. <laughs> but but I, w- I wish I had studied more language. I was told by some people, don't learn any language before you go. You're going to say it wrong. But the truth is, I, I hardly said anything. But the few words I did know were so immensely helpful. Um, and I wish I had done more of that before I went. I don't know if that was, if you had that same feeling or experience uh, before. Before you went. It's amazing like how much you need to know of the language and what you wish you would have done. But yes, I think any language preparation is always super helpful. Probably the phrase I spent the longest time learning, I can't even remember it now, was about how get how to get my dry cleaning done. <laughs> you know, because I would study it and study it and study it, and then call on the phone and they'd ask me something I didn't know, like, sorry, I don't understand. And I'd, I'd study it more and then call back with more information and finally we've worked it out. But uh but those are hard yeah. things when you're first getting started. But anyway, uh transitioning back to back to the, the main ideas here. You know, I've I'm seeing this right now. You know, I've been I've been married to Tara for 25 years. You know, we started young and sing, young in ministry with no kids, and then we have kids, and then we have out of the out of the house kids. Um, you know, now we're grandparents. So you, I, these transitions oh goodness, are just Scott, normally in part of life. Yeah, I'm 47. I've just done a, I've done a lot of living in those 47 years. But it's possible, and I've seen it, where someone in the a woman in the mission field could go from a single missionary to a married missionary to a parent to a grandparent with kids living in the states. We call those rapid multiplication strategies, by the way. And then even even you know going you know transitioning into widowhood, we've got we've got missionaries on our field that have lost their husbands and are still serving. There's so many transitions in life, and I think especially for women, those transitions are are stark and drastic, more, more dramatic, I think, than for, for most men. So, so how, how can women prepare for these transitions that they might be feeling on the mission field? Cause certainly your ministry looked a lot different when you had three kids than it did when it was just you and Matt. I mean, I think to a degree communication between spouses is the best thing you can do. Um, mm. Matt and I pre having like pre having kids, we went overseas and we were both, I think, really agreement in agreement about what look work looked like. And we were both a hundred percent all in to what we had agreed to do. Um and so I think there was really not like any element of like, okay, Matt's going over as a missionary and I'm like 
tagging along with him to mm-hmm. make him dinner or anything, which I did make him dinner from time to time. But um, <laughs> but we were really sold out on like, hey, we we're both going overseas and 50 percent of the population are men. I mean, ish. And then 50 percent are women and both of them need opportunities to hear. And so because of that um, and pre children, it was really easy for both of us to go a mile a minute and just to spend our days, number one, learning language. We taught while we were overseas, we taught English. So being really involved in our school and then just spending a ton of time out in the community with different people. Um, Some of the time it would be together, but honestly, Mm -hmm. just because of the culture that we were in, a lot of times that was separately. And it was exciting and we loved it and kind of loved coming back and talking about what we had seen the Lord do. And then um, in 2013, uh, all of that came to a screeching halt because the Lord blessed us with this little baby named Annabelle. Mm -hmm. And we were like, oh, Mm -hmm. my goodness, life has just changed. And so I think we ended up just having to be like struggle through communication of like, okay, what does this still look like? Both of us being sold out on what we're doing, but also knowing like you throw a kid in the mix and it's a huge gift. But schedules Mm -hmm. and life change. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, what I guess what that looked like practically was just Matt and I sitting down at the beginning of every week and being like, okay, what what does it look like to establish rhythms for our for our baby? And then also, what does it look like to still both be involved, even if for different time periods in our time overseas, Mm -hmm. it did look like a bit more limited for me. But in some ways, honestly, those limitations. Um, and I, I don't even I like don't really want to use the word limitation because the time was such a gift. It allowed for me to just spend more time praying and then asking God, like, OK, who should who should I invest this limited time in and watching him work in that? And so I think to some degree it was almost good because I, I am naturally a very self-reliant human. Like I want to be able to do and do things and do them well on my own. But it it just put me in a place of being like, okay, Lord, you need to bring the people into my path or bring them into that one class that I teach once a week so that I can spend this time with them and share with them. And we really honestly saw the Lord be faithful to do that. Um, and so it, yeah, it just required a lot more communication on the part or on Matt and I's part. I like the way that you walk that out and, and just thinking, okay, I've got a really narrow amount of time what am I going to do with that? It might be a small fraction of what I had before, but how can the Lord use right. that? And as you're praying through those things, the thing that you write about towards the end of the book is that element of spiritual preparedness as well. Yeah. So what are some of these other habits or rhythms or practices that you added to your life, or maybe you wish you'd added to your life that you would say are going to help a missionary be prepared over the long haul? Because that's that's the thing, right, is, is that we're not long-term thinkers. We're, we're not thinking about yeah. where's my ministry going to be 20 or 30 years from now. We're thinking about, okay, we've got a, a baby coming here in a few months, or we've got a, a, a kid that's you know getting ready to turn this age. We're not thinking about the long impact uh-huh. of what we're doing. So what would you say would be some of those foundational things that a person would have in place in order to see that kind of long-term impact? Yeah. I mean, I think they're relatively simple. Um, I think the first and foremost thing is just a daily habit of like spending time in the word, spending time in prayer and making sure that that's in place and having that be like, this is a priority. And that's not all that shocking, but I am surprised at how many people can make it all the way through the process of being sent. And then at the end, like we come to find out, okay, what does it look like to commune with the Lord daily? Because you're not going to survive if you're not doing that. Like you need to have 
a relationship with the Lord that's ongoing? What does prayer life, your prayer life look like? Because really it, in, I noticed this, I just was always mm. very aware when I was there of, I like, I cannot do this on my own and I, I need to look to the Lord um, mm-hmm. to be my strength. And so I think number one, just say, okay, what does it look like to commune with the Lord um, being the first thing? I think the second thing would be, okay, we all have sin struggles. We are all wrestling through different areas of whether it be pride or, I mean, you can name the different things. But I think having pre-going overseas, having someone in your life that is really asking about that. Okay, so what you have wrestled with this sin before, how is that playing out right now? How, how does it, what does it look like to, you know, struggle with pride in ministry or whether it's a sexual sin or something, you know, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Um, having someone that's there to ask those questions and also as like the prospective missionary being willing to share, okay, this is really where I'm at with it. Um, mm-hmm. Just because we noticed when we hit the ground, um, all of those sins that you struggle with at home when life is maybe slightly more relaxed or easy, some would say, like they really come to a for- like come to a glaring, the forefront uh, when you're under pressure all the time. Like they don't disappear? You know, it's amazing. It's amazing that it doesn't happen. You wish it did. But anyway, I just, I think having a person in the States and then also having that person, if they're not somebody that's being sent with you, having someone still asking those consistent questions that Mm -hmm. you're really forced to answer either truthfully or um, hopefully not, you're not lying um, about the sin struggles in life. And then I think something else, just as far as like spiritual patterns and I think something that I notice is a lot of people hope and want to go overseas, but what their life looks like as far as sharing the gospel at home is like, it rarely happens, or maybe they've shared once, you know, back mm-hmm. in 2021 mm-hmm. or something like that. But it's really, those mm-hmm. patterns don't switch the minute you get overseas. And so to a degree, if you're not actively sharing the gospel at home or looking for opportunities, or just having those people that you're praying for consistently, like, please, Lord, give me this opportunity to share my faith with this person. Um, That's not going to matter. That habit is not going to naturally transform the minute you get overseas. And so I would say those three things, like walking with, walk with the Lord, uh, someone that you can just be accountable for as far as sin goes, and then also just what it looks like to share your faith. Those things, those habits are not going to switch the minute you got on plane, get on a plane. Mm. Um, So having those in place, pre-departure is huge. And and that's critical just for the area of identity because those of us who are involved in ministry in any way, we all know the temptation that there is to phone it in and to replace walking with the Lord with parachurch and church-based ministry busyness, right? Uh And the group of people that suffer for that is one's family, your household, your children, they see the real you if you're not rooted in the Lord, but you're out doing things and looking great in public. But those that know you, they know when you're walking with the Lord and abiding in him and when you're not. And so, yeah, long-term impact. We've got to be the same people in private as we are in public, as we are in our ministry, and as we are on our knees before the Lord as well. Right, Scott? Yeah. And and these transitions are are hard in America, but in, in overseas context, they're just, they're exhausting. And you can give, your body will give you every reason 
to not go out and engage <laughs> and uh, to not be disciplined and you're go ahead go ahead Emily I see that spark no, of I was thought just in your mind with you yeah yeah no yeah. I was agreeing with you it's it's shocking how many excuses you can come up with in your come up with in your mind to not do the very thing that you decided to move overseas to do um yeah. so I just I agree with you yeah and, and, and it's you that's something it's you can't prepare for because it's just it uh, it hits you uh, once, especially if you're going to a very very different cultural context than the one that you grew up in. I mean, it, it's it's shocking how difficult it is, how tired you are, and you know, I've, you you do see missionaries that struggle with like, I just don't want to leave my house today because I'm tired of everyone staring at me. You know, like, uh, <laughs> um, or I would like to be able to go grocery shopping in peace without being in the novelty act. You know, or having uh, my my cute little babies being touched and fondled and annoyed the whole time. I'm out in public and yes. you just retreat. And, uh, and, and so having that, uh, that clear walk with God and that reaffirming and, and it keeps you focused on the mission that God's called you to do. Um, and it also, uh, gives you that refreshment you need and reminds you that you're not just in a physical battle against these things, but it's a spiritual warfare too. Like the enemy's at work in trying to keep you from engaging in those things. Would you want to add to that, Emily, at all before we move on? I just, I a hundred percent agree with what you said. It is. And I think that's a part of it is the, the spiritual battle that's in play that like that Satan want is actively opposed to the exact reason that you're there is something that is present. And it's a constant, it's a constant battle. Like he wants you to be annoyed with the people you came there to love and show, like share mm -hmm. the gospel with. And so I, I disagree with what you said. It's, it's something that like the Lord is the one who's keeping your heart soft and keeping, um, just keeping a readiness there to, to do exactly what you agreed to do when you left. So I want to just ask one last question. What are some of the unique challenges that uh, women face on the mission field that are just unique to women that that are different than what men have to face? And related to that, what do you wish men better understood about the struggles that women missionaries face? And, and can we add, especially husbands, like yeah. what would a husband need to understand on the field about what his wife is going through? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I want to hear. Yeah. There are a lot of way, directions I could answer that question. Um, take them all. I do think, them all. Yeah, take them all. Okay, okay. Hot here we go. Only. I think for <laughs> I think for the men who would be listening to this, who um, you're thinking about taking your family overseas, I think one thing that I would encourage you to encourage your wives in would be the fact that she has a very important role on a team and um, your desire, or I hope your desire is to see her engage in ministry um, in the context that the Lord is placing you. Something that I'm so thankful that Matt did was he, I feel like he, I knew he valued my role and he valued me being in the community. He valued um, the fact that it, he, I was reaching a part, a segment of the population that he could not reach. And so he did his best to try and figure out, okay, how can I enable Emily to do and be who God has called her to be where we are? Um, and so that's just something I would encourage uh, the husbands listening to this is how can you encourage your wife to do what God has called her to do and be who God has called her to be mm. um, in your move and um, just in her role on the team. And so, and how, how has God gifted her and how can you enable her to use her, her the gifts that she's been given by the Lord? And I guess, I think that would be in all of ministry. Um, mm. I would say that to men. I think 
some unique struggles is, and I think a lot of this is just context specific. I can speak to where we were. I left, um, we had lived in North Carolina before we left and I just lived a life where I can go, could go about and do whatever I needed to do throughout the day. And then we show up in the Middle East. And for me to go to different places without Matt or without um, him having met the people that we were, I was going to interact with and really vouching for me as a female, that was, um, it was an interesting transition from like me being a completely independent female to like now I'm very reliant on his presence and him really having to go in and say like, hey, this is my wife. I want you to treat her with respect. If she needs help, can you help her? And so just kind of um, Mm. coming to the place where I like had to be like, that's, Mm. this is okay. And to be honest, to be honest, towards our end, um, towards the end of our, after we had moved to North Africa, we were in the Middle East for a while and then moved to North Africa. I was so thankful because really I felt like he had to do a lot of the grunt work of starting a business and dealing with government things. Whereas I really got to play like a fun role of, okay, I actually get to meet with these women that you set up all the structures Mm -hmm. for me to be able to work in. And um, so I really just found it a gift to be able to be like, hey, Mm -hmm. sorry, you have to go sit in a smoky government office, but I'm going to go meet with, you know, Fatima and hang out with her all day. So it was just, it was a switch in thinking. I think it is a trans, a mental transition moving from the states where um, where things are quite equal comparatively to like, okay, I really need my husband to represent me in this culture. Otherwise, people are not going to think well of me. Um, something else that Matt did as far as when we would have single women on our team he really had to go to every business and every um, little shop that the girls or the women would go to and say, hey, this person is like my sister. You know, she's not my sister. She's like my sister. So mm-hmm. please, like, treat her well. Um, and he really just had to go in and vouch for her as um, as like a respectable female, which is mm-hmm. just so different than the context yeah. in which we're we're in right now. And so that kind of stuff, if if you're used to just freedom to go to like, no, okay, I actually need this person in my life and this person's a male and I need him to to vouch for me. It's, it's just a different mentality. But I think for almost all of these things, I can look back and just be thankful um, because I really was, a, I really had to rely on Matt or other, the men on our team um, to just play a role that really I don't need them to hear. Mm-hmm. And so um, it just made me all the more thankful for mm-hmm. the body of Christ and that these these men that we worked with, like they were like brothers to me because they they were for me and wanted to help promote whatever ministry I could do. And so mm. I look back and I'm thankful for it. That's great. I, I would just add to that a couple things like um, that I look back with regret and wish I had handled some things differently. And, and one, I, I think I was so worried about the stewardship I was being entrusted in with these churches that, that sometimes I would push my family farther than what was healthy for them. And uh, I wish I had taken more time to really listen to how the transitions were affecting my my wife to have a better, like instead of being so worried about just this, this sense of pressure that I felt about, I, of course, I, I want to reach the people that are there and I feel like an internal spiritual pressure, but also there was an aspect of I wanted to be able to be a good steward and tell everyone back home we were faithful with what you entrusted us in, but not to the point that I was neglecting my family and uh, or not listening or caring for my wife well. I think that was a mistake that I wish I would recommend for you know young guys that are going over there for their families like 
that time of listening and really understanding why, why they're struggling and not over, you know, just glossing it over as, oh, this is just culture shock, but really engaging yeah. that. And uh, that would be huge. And I wish we had done a better job, especially I should say, I wish I had done a better job of, you know, so many times my wife and other wives were busy with the kids when we'd have our team meetings um, and, you know, they have to leave the room at times and do different things. I wish I had taken more time to, to really make sure that, the uh, the wives had a better opportunity to speak into philosophy, direction, um, little policies that were being made by our team. Um, I think that would be something that I would just encourage uh, men to be thinking about too. And I realize I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to speak for you in this. So feel free to challenge that. But I just think those are things that would have helped my wife and other women on the team if I if we had been more intentional as men of saying okay, we know that they're busy with these things. Let's make sure we create the time for them to be able to be in this room while we're doing these things and, and weighing into these decisions before we just do them. What do you, what do you, does does that resonate with you? Yeah. I think, um, the second thing, the part about team meetings and things like that, I, I really agree with that. And I mean, I think an easy thing that, can be done is just, I think sometimes we sort of rotate who or sorry, we always assume like, okay, women are the ones that are going to go run after the kid. But I think Mm -hmm. just having like, we're in a, most of the time you're in a situation where everybody's packed into this apartment. So there's a lot of accountability because everyone's there, but like, okay, Mm -hmm. this time this, this lady is on the kids or this guy Mm -hmm. is on a kid, the kids. And just kind of being able to tag team it across gender is, um, is uh, an ideal situation. I'm um, going to this, the thing that you said before about um, just listening and, and hearing well and not putting too much pressure where pressure should not be put. I think that is a very good word um, because I, I really saw even in Matt and I, these two extremes where at times um, we, we, uh, we would really focus so much on, um, okay, our work, our ministry. And that was sort of like our idol and our family suffered. And then there was other periods of time where it was like, okay, we are all in, in this, in this area of family and we saw ministry suffer. And so it's just a tricky balance to walk that line of like, Hey, we are all doing this together. This is not a nine to five job where there's these clear cut lines And so, again, like I said before, I just feel like communication about where people are or especially where husbands and wives are um, is is huge. And so I appreciate you saying that, Scott. It sounds like Matt might have even just stepped into the office, whether he's there or not. I don't know. We're hearing we're hearing the sights and sounds of Cedarville in the background. Um, well, he just jumped so, out real fast. Well, oh, perfect, because uh, recognizing that this is being recorded for posterity. What's the most appropriate thing that you can share that would also embarrass him or Ooh. make us laugh regarding Matt? Oh, well, he did just walk in and have like a really funny face and then jump out as fast as he can. So if you just want to envision that in your mind, uh, I mean, that's pretty that's pretty funny. But, oh, he's you're just too, such a great human. It's hard nice, to make Emily. fun of him. Such a supportive uh, wife. She passed, uh, she passed the test and we'll have wow. to book a second interview later for, you know, tales from the mission field. <laughs> That's great. Oh, there, there would be many. There would be many. Never, never. It really, mm. it's, uh, 
really all all your godliness just comes out in those situations, right? Yes. As as it does. As it does. <laughs> Emily, we're so glad to have had you on the show today. We're so grateful for your ministry and putting this book together as well as your ministry of hospitality for us, but also uh, with Matt and your family, everything that you all have done uh, for the kingdom and continue to do. We're so grateful. We'll leave a link in the show notes for you if you want to pick up a copy of this book. And Emily, is there anything they should do if they want to follow uh, other work that you've done, maybe writing that you've put out? I mean, this book is is pretty much it. So, your premiere. So, and it- yeah, my premiere. Um, no, there's a handful of articles that will be coming out in different places. But I would say um, the other thing I would just emphasize is um, the the men's partner to this book will be coming out, I think, in June, next June. And so uh, I recommend it. I like the I like the, one of the editors a lot. So I would go for it. <laughs> all right. Too much information. We don't need to know about all that. We're so grateful to have had you. And yes, go ahead and keep an eye out for the companion volume as well. And thank you for joining us on the show. If you've enjoyed what you've heard here today, go ahead and leave this podcast a five-star rating and a positive review. If you're using Apple especially or whatever your preferred podcast platform, that helps this content get in front of other people who can be blessed by it, mobilized by it, encouraged by it. So we'd ask you to do so if it's been a blessing to you. And if you also want to partner with us in putting this content out on a regular basis, You can go to missionspodcast.com and hit the support tab at the top. This is a part of the ABWE Global Family of Ministries, and so we support all of those who generously give to put solid content into the hands of goers and thinkers alike. The Missions Podcast is a ministry of ABWE. To learn more about ABWE, head on over to abwe.org. And until next week, go make disciples of all nations. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. We'll see you then.